Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. Listen to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, JohnnyTShirt.com, your place to get all your Carolina gear and all anything you ever need, Carolina-related, tailgate-related, house, home, office, Man Cave, whatever you need, Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Get 10% off your order if you're a member of that Inside Carolina Premium Message Boards. Can't beat that deal. Bringing in Ross Martin and Greg Barnes. Got another State of the Position podcast. Today, fellas, we're going to do secondary. Cornerbacks, nickelbacks, and safeties. Ross Martin, I'll come to you first. It's weird. We continue to talk about the skill positions at North Carolina, and every room's stacked with talent. This one's no different. Your take on everybody from Patrice Renee on down to Tony Grimes. Yeah, I think if you were on the message boards the last couple of weeks or last week, you would think that UNC has a national championship team. There's just so much hype right now from what we've heard from players and coaches and interviews and from sources and just kind of looking at the roster. So it's hard to really tell what what is what is, how realistic each position group is, but the defensive backs – on paper, seem seem pretty loaded, um, even with Bryce Watts, um, DJ Ford, and Javon Terry um, opting out. But it's a stacked group all across the line with experience. You have like guys like Patrice Renee, Trey Morrison, Miles Wolfork, who've played a lot of games and a lot of starts, and then has a lot of young, exciting talent like Kyler McMichael, Jacorius Conley, and Tony Grimes. So I know we're going to start. I think with you know start with cornerbacks, Tommy, and. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, let's go just, right into cornerbacks. Yeah, so I mean, we'll start with cornerbacks. Quickly kind of get everybody set up here. You have Patrice Renee, Kyle McMichael, who's a transfer from Clemson. He'll be a sophomore. You have Storm Duck, who started a lot of games last year. And we hear he's progressing really well and taking that next step. Uh, Storm Duck, a sophomore. You have DeAndre Hollins, kind of a depth player who's played a little bit, was kind of forced in some situations last year. Didi. You have to- yeah, Didi Hollins. And then Tony Grimes, the, the all-everything uh, freshman who should be starting his senior of high school right around now, but he is enrolled at Carolina. And then you have Obi Egbuna is a uh, sophomore. He might have redshirted, but you know he's a young, another young guy who saw a little bit of time last year, but didn't really play all that much. So that's what we got at cornerbacks there. And we just go right into to kind of Greg's take on that group of players. Yeah, well, I think the the big three, of course, is going to be you know, Michael. Uh, as a guy coming in who we've heard, you know, just rave reviews about what he can bring. And not only is, as Dre Blas said, he's one of the, the fastest guys on the team. He's also stocky. You know, we, we got the great quote from Dre back in May about him looking like Herschel Walker, yeah. uh, which is, which is great. Uh, but then he's going to be playing alongside of, you know, Patrice Renee, who we haven't spoken with Renee yet this preseason, but when we talked to him earlier this summer, he was hoping to have, full clearance from that ACL injury recovery uh, end of June. And by all accounts, he, he 
check those benchmarks and he's been participating and uh, you know, competing. And then of course you have Storm Doc, who was probably the best surprise next to Chaz Surratt last year on the defensive side of the ball. Um, a kid who went in, you know, against South Carolina and I want to say first play, they were supposed to be playing man and he was playing zone. Um, and then goes from there and ends up being a, a very uh, talented cornerback from North Carolina was one of the highest rated cornerbacks in the ACC, uh, according to pro football focus. So just a, an incredible year for the freshman. So those three guys are really your, your headliners. I think the fact that uh, the Virginia tech transfer Bryce Watts opted out of the season, I think that hurts. I mean, as a kid had a lot of experience at Virginia tech started a lot of games. Uh, Bly said he was also one of the fastest on the team. So he was expected to be a guy that, that was going to compete with those other three and really form a, a dynamic, uh, you know, two deep. And then without, without Watts being around, what that does is sets up a, a situation where you can have a guy like Tony Grimes, who uh, as a true freshman is coming in. And without Watts playing, maybe Grimes can compete with, with Hollins and Aguna uh, and, and figure out, hey, you know, maybe I can still have some reps. I think with how Storm played last year, uh, you know, they're going to want to give some of these young guys reps anyway to kind of prepare them for next year. And so without Watts, I think that, that sets the table for some of these younger guys to, to have the opportunity at least to earn some playing time. You lose the experience you mentioned that Watts brings in. But one thing, Ross, that last season did, and we talked about it a lot on this podcast, where everybody going out, even across the defensive backfield, You've got guys that maybe wouldn't have had experience last year had everybody stayed healthy um, that now have that experience. Duck being one of them, Hollins being one of them. We can go down into the other positions, but specifically on corners, if they can bring Grimes in relatively, well, I don't think he's going to come in slow, but, you know, not throw too much on him right away, Ross. This position could be what was a train wreck last season with the injuries, could be yet another strength. Maybe not national championship level, like you mentioned earlier, but certainly a strength on the defense, especially given the defensive line was that we'll talk about down the road. Yeah, I mean, that's a silver lining of, of struggling at certain times with youth, like they did last year. You saw in the offensive line as well. I think some of the offensive line that struggled last year, there'll be a benefit from that this year. Um, so the benefit of Storm Duck getting reps, Hollins gets, gets reps. You can trust those two guys now, at least in some situations. Um, and they'll look to do that with Grimes, as um, Greg alluded to. You know, I, I think there's a, a little ways away to kind of cement a depth chart now behind those three guys that Greg mentioned, uh, Renee, uh, McMichael, and Duck. I think behind them, there's still a lot of healthy competition going on, nothing set. I mean, you think about this, I mean, Grimes has, has practiced at college for, for about 10 days now. So, I mean, he, he could be behind Obi Aguna. I mean, they, the, just the drill work, the technique. Everything you need to know that, that Dre Bly and, and Jay Bateman want those corners to do, and that, that takes a little time to learn. So people are super hyped for Grimes, and you, you certainly have to slow down because it might not be, be, be until for maybe the fourth, fifth game until he gets on the field and then gets his feet wet, and then he could explode. You know, he could end up being a rotational guy by the end. But who knows? He's a very smart guy, very hardworking, picks up things, very smart, and, and definitely has the physical traits too. So it could come really quickly because we're still, what, three weeks, three, four weeks away from the start of the season. There's a lot of time to grow there. But you got to pump the brakes on Grimes. This guy should be a senior in high school. 
So there's guys that could be ahead of him that you just don't think about because of where they're ranked. But it's just such a different game when you get to college. Yeah, and I, I think kind of a good example of that is, is William Barnes, who is this highly rated kid, one of the top offensive linemen in North Carolina, has recruited him forever. He's like a, a third-year guy now, and everybody's like, well, he's not any good. Where, where is he? Uh, it's like he's only a couple years in. I mean, it takes some time for a lot of these kids. And especially if, if Grimes had come in in January – for next year and he had a full spring season under his belt to work with Hess and to get 15 spring practices in then you get into training camp okay now we're talking about this kid's got his feet wet he understands what it takes he's got the athletic and, and physical development that's needed to be able to perform but as Ross said I mean the kid's like what six seven days into wearing pads at the college level and people expect him to come in basically as a high school senior and be some stud look, the kid's good. He's going to be great. Uh, but to expect him to come in, if he's your best player at cornerback right now, either that means he is a Deion Sanders type player or it means your other guys really aren't that good. Yeah. I don't think either of those are true. And I think that's one of the things to Ross's point, you know, give him some time, let, let him fail, let him make some mistakes. And then maybe by the end of the year, he's in position where he can be a valuable backup. And then next year when Patrice Renee moves on, and then he can compete for a starting job. Yeah, one thing about Renee that I thought about recently, Greg, do we know that he is, like, the guy? Like, is he I – mean, we know he's healthy, but, I mean, is he 100% the guy for UNC, the number one corner? Speaking about Renee, I mean, I, I, we're not there. We don't see him, but who knows if he's even the, the number one corner for UNC. Right, and that's the thing. Without us having an idea of exactly you – I assume he's back to full 100%, but the but fact even, that he – even then, you don't know if, you know, he could still be getting his physical stuff back. You don't know if, if that athletic stuff is there. Correct. Yeah. And you know, he's done a little bit since the spring. But yeah, in terms of all the cuts, all the technique that's involved with this, you know, end of June, what are we, you know, six weeks away from that? Uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, we, we expect him to be back and, and to be in the mix. But to say that he's the number one guy right now, physically, uh, we don't have enough information to make that determination. We have heard a lot of good things about McMichael and Duck, yeah. and the fact that Renee is competing with them tells you that he's got to be pretty close if he's not there yet. Uh, but, yeah, in terms of who's number one right now, I, I, I certainly don't know. Yeah, I mean, and, and that Renee would bring tons of leadership, and it definitely has the, the savvy that a veteran has, which is important for that cornerback spot. And But, yeah, I mean, who knows? McMichael might be the, the number one quarter now who would yeah. take the best receiver given his size. Make sure you read Greg Barnes, Greg's article on uh, Inside Carolina about McMichael, a really good read about what he brings physically and how quick he is and how, how fast he is as well. So, McMichael, Storm, Duck, and Renee. Plenty of talent there. You're right. I, I think Renee's uh, leadership is going to be key for that position, even with the experience Storm Duck had and definitely with Grimes and Egbuna. And DeAndre Hollins, like we said, did some good things last year. Looking over at Nickelbacks, Trey Morrison, Ja Conley, Welton Spotsfield, Bryson Richardson. Uh, one guy, Greg, one guy in that position that's got any experience. And Trey Morrison um, had a tough time staying on the field at times last season. You know, who knows what Jay Bateman wants to do with this defensive backfield. They've got talent, but position-specific, this one's probably the weakest back there. Your thoughts on that one? Yeah, the, the, the conversation with Trey Morrison over the last year since, since Mac arrived was Mac's concern was that he just wasn't big enough to take the wear and tear of having to play inside and having to defend the run. 
Uh, and to your point, you know, he got injured a couple times last year. But that kept him out of some games. And it's one of the reasons they had moved him out to cornerback. Uh, and this year, you know, when you include Watts into the mix, the cornerback room was stacked with Morrison there as well because Morrison played and actually graded out much higher as a nickelback his freshman year than he did last year as a cornerback. Uh, I think they really like what he could bring to the table um, at nickelback, which is why they moved him back. But and, you know, Sam Howe says one of the best defensive players that he's gone against um, and that he's looked incredible you know, during camp. So I think Trey certainly is at the, the top of the list there at nickelback. And then you got some interesting guys behind him for sure. Bryson Richardson played a little bit at nickel uh, his freshman year. And, of course, last year was, was out for the year with an injury. Um, but he played a lot more on special teams than he did actually on the field at nickel his freshman year. He's in the mix. But then you got Spotsville, who uh, Ross and I were talking offline earlier today. He's kind of moved around, it seems like, from position to position. They're trying to figure out where they can use him. He came in he, as a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. important to note. Yeah. Yep. Wide receiver, then move to maybe safety, maybe some linebacker even, and I guess he settled at nickelback. Yep. And then you got JQ Conley, who uh, may be the most uh, interesting freshman. Um, there may be somebody that Ross can correct me on. He's a, I mean, he's a kid, he's built like a linebacker. Um, and there's all kinds of talk that you know, he's, he's really fast. So I kind of thought they'd probably put him at safety, uh, but they're, they're going to try him out at nickel. And if he's got that speed and got that size – and that's the guy that you can really utilize at Nickelback as well. So he's one of the guys I'm, I'm really fascinated to see how he turns out. Um, one but, thing I, I noticed when you have Morrison and um, J.Q. Conley is that those are two really, really good players. You know that they're going to be nickel a lot. That's going to be the, I think that's going to be the base defense. It's going to be a nickel-type defense with, with three cornerbacks, essentially. So you have Morrison playing almost every snap, and then you're putting one of your best freshmen and the guy you expect to be a really big impact player, maybe not this year, but in years to come, uh, Jacorius Conley at nickel as well. And so you can see the importance of that nickelback position. And they gave you two different looks too. I mean, if you're going against a, a yeah. spread offense, like a Phil Longo offense, and you need, a, like you said, a third true cornerback out there, Morrison's your guy. Uh, if you're going against a run-heavy scheme, put Conley in there. Yeah. And you know, sometimes in the past when you had to put a certain – like last year is a good example. They had to play Dom Ross at nickel some. When you put him out there at nickel, there's going to be coaches that say, okay, this guy's a liability in the pass game. And so we're going, to, we're going to try to take advantage of that. And we saw that some. I don't think, with Morrison especially, if you want to run, he's still effective against the run. The, the worry is wear and tear. Conley will have to see exactly how he is with his coverage skills. But with his speed, if he's able to adequately cover, then you don't have that, that big of a weakness. Um, they have a strength for sure you may may not have that weakness where teams can take advantage of it. And if you go dime, which I think they'll be in a lot more this year than they were last year, you can have Morrison and uh, DeCorius Conley in there. And Morrison can essentially – he could do whatever. I mean, if they, if they need another pure corner, Morrison can do that because he did that last year. So the flexibility of, of Conley is going to be key here. be interesting to see how much he really plays. It's going to be hard to keep him off the field. And also be interesting to see how they use him because he could come in on blitzes. He can play kind of a hybrid linebacker safety role. He's doing some coverage as a nickelback. So I mean, that's the one guy I'm excited to see, the Jay Baben, how he uses him on the defense because I think he's going to be moving all over because of how versatile he is. It's 6'2". Is, is he 220? Is that, is that right? Yeah, big, like 225. 225 now, yeah. Yeah, so that's not – I mean, that's not a cornerback size. So they're going to use him a lot of different ways. That's um, a big safety. I mean, yeah. that's closer to a linebacker. 
Yeah, so that, I kind of I see him as a kind of hybrid safety nickelback guy who can maybe cover some and then come play in the box a lot. He's one of those guys that reminds me of one of those Virginia Tech guys yeah. that Virginia Tech had that could walk down. Cam Chancellor, those guys. Yeah, that could walk down and play linebacker or stay back and defend the pass. You're right, Ross. He's going to be the most interesting one to watch. I know a lot of people are all in on Grimes. Um, I agree with you. I need to pump the brakes a little bit there, but Conley, I think, could have a big season in Jay Bateman's. It- yeah, and Don Callahan was always super high on Conley. I mean, he said he's going to be the guy who has All-American-type talent by the time he's a junior or senior. Like, he's been super high on his athleticism and his explosiveness and freakiness um, on defense. Yeah, let's uh, move on to safeties. Before I do, let me remind everybody of Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. Sponsors of this podcast, 10% off if you are Inside Carolina Premium subscriber. And also, failed to mention to start the show, you need to rate us and review us on iTunes or however you get your podcast. And if you're watching this on YouTube, do the same. Subscribe, uh, load up. All these podcasts are dropping to YouTube now, so you get to see all our pretty faces every day and some other guys maybe that we bring on the show sometime. But it's a great way to consume Inside Carolina podcast, you got multiple ways. Just leave a rating. Tell us what we're doing right. Tell us what we're doing wrong. And we'll work on it. Safeties. Ross, I'll come back to you first. Same situation here. Uh, guys, Wolfolk was the guy last year. Couldn't stay healthy. It allowed Don Chapman to get on the field a lot. Cam Kelly had some moments. Didn't last physically. Another position that has benefited maybe from last year's injury woes, uh, but leaves some question marks out there uh, for Jay Bateman and the defense. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of an overlooked spot because you have a lot of the hype around a lot of players we already mentioned. But um, it starts and ends with, with Miles Wolfork. I mean, he's, he's the guy back there. I and mean, he was having a great start to the 2019 season, as you stated, before he got injured and was out. Try to come back, but it just didn't work. So this is his final year. He's a leader, vocal leader, um, the guy at safety there for UNC. And then Don Chapman's, I think, the number two safety, if not like right there with Miles Wolfork. So I think those are your two safeties um, when, when you talk about starters, first team. Behind them, Giovanni Biggers is a sophomore, played some special teams last year. Um, I don't remember him playing much at safety last year. Uh, Cam Kelly got injured last year. Um, seems to be one to, to figure in. You know, it's kind of a third safety this year as well. And then Cameron Roseman Sinclair is the freshman who arrived as a safety as well. It was kind of a safety along with Jacoris Conley before Conley kind of moved to nickelback. So those are your five guys. Not a super deep group. Um, I think they really like what they have with Dom Chapman. We know they like Miles Woolfolk. Uh, kind of the question marks are around what's behind them. Cam Kelly was a pretty highly recruited guy, obviously committed to Auburn before kind of, I guess, essentially flipping his commitment after signing with Auburn to UNC. So, um, yeah, that's it. I mean, some leadership there and then some talent. I'm excited to see what Don Chapman does. A big safety, long, and obviously they trusted him last year. He came in when Wolfolk was injured and really took over that, that starting role from D.J. Ford. Uh, they do miss D.J. Ford. I mean, he's a guy who can find a lot of depth and leadership back there. He opted out for the 2020 season. Greg, when you think about, and I know we mentioned them off the top, the guys that are opting out and the guys that were hurt, uh, Jay Bateman – from talking to him over the last year and a half or so, how many guys does he want to see the field regularly in the defensive backfield? We, we talked about the wide receivers. They want eight guys or more that can play and that they can count on. In the defensive backfield for Bateman's defense, 
how many of these guys we discussed in this podcast do you expect perfect scenario everybody stays healthy to get serious minutes back there well you you have the you have to make the statement they have to earn the, the playing time right but if mm -hmm. everybody earns the playing time and or people that he can utilize you know, I think a legitimate two deep is, is what you'd want. That way you can be flexible. And then when you talk about, you know, he's got, he's got the bandit role and he's got the nickelback role. Um, it's really a matter of, it's really a matter of having versatility. And so you've got your core positions, but then you've got these unique pieces, you know, Morrison or Conley potentially who can come in and do different things. And that, that gives you a lot of different options with what you want to be able to do. So I, I think Mac is, is right on when he talks about you know, really wanting to make sure that you have a, a blue and a white team. So it's not really starters and backups. It's, it's, it's a two deep where everybody can play. And I think that's, that's an important aspect of it. The one thing that Raw said there, DJ Ford, uh, when you go back and look at last year, Miles Dorn led the group with 863 snaps. DJ Ford was second with 550. And so not having Ford, I mean, that's a lot of experience and that's a lot of kind of leadership there. He's still going to be around the program, of course. Uh, but you're not going to have that on the field. And so this is a pretty young group. I mean, Wolfolk, uh, he played 271 last year. We know he's a veteran. He has been banged up a lot throughout his career. And then you have to go all the way down. Uh, Cam Cameron, or Cam Kelly, sorry, had uh, 51 snaps. And then Chapman was right there at 302. Um, so not a lot of snaps from these kids in their careers. There's some, some good talented pieces. We saw some, some highlights from them last year, uh, but you know, just not a lot of returning snaps from this team and at safety from, from last season. And I think that is a little bit of concern. There is reason to be excited about that group. Uh, I think Wolf is a, is a great leader and it's going to be a, a key component back there, not just for the safeties, but for the entire secondary and the defense. Uh, but, you know, let's, let's not get ahead of ourselves and thinking this is some experienced unit because it is not. Hey, hey, Greg, can you do you know the difference between the is it free and bandit? Are those what they're calling them? Or okay, so yeah. is bandit just a strong safety? Or right. is there do you know anything else about that? I, mean, I don't. It, they're just names. Um, you know, strong safety is going to be your your guy that's more likely to come up and help. Uh, yeah. You know, with, with tight ends and help in the run game. And uh, why these coaches call positions what they call them who knows but that's yeah it's just a, a a cute name for a for strong safety maybe cute is not the right word and then free is obviously doing more coverage you know deep Correct. in the backfield yep. and then the other one that usually covers the the bigger side of the field the i guess that's the, the field, field side, side. Yep. yep yep and like miles Dorn a lot was kind of the free safety last year and he just kind of ran free so whenever you have you know, man free systems or anything like that where you're pressing and you need one guy back that's going to be your free safety yeah you would think i'll know all this by now <laughs> Sticking in that regard, Greg, let me ask you this. Is going back to the corners, um, does Bateman intend to utilize boundary and field side corners, or is he gonna or does he hope to have a guy that he can say, go get the best guy wherever he goes? Yeah, it's interesting. Longo, um, Fedora did this a lot, but like offensively, you got left side, right side wide receivers. And you know, when, when Mac was when Mac was here, when, when Bush was here and, and Shoop was here, you had, you had the X and the Y and the Z and all these pro style names. And then you get into the spread, and it's uh, left side wide receiver, right side wide receiver. They're not quite there yet with the defenses, but it is still filled in boundary. Um, one thing I, I found interesting was you know, Jaleel Taylor talking with him, 
And with him and, and Raymond, uh, one's going to be toward the field all the time. One's going to be toward the boundary. That's just how they're, they're covering it. When they're on the field together, I'm trying to – I believe it's Jalil said he would be to the boundary and, yeah. and Ray to the, the field. And that's just how they're going to be set up. So whatever, whatever side of the hash you know, the, the, the ball is on, they're going to shift. Are we going to see that with cornerbacks? I don't know. You know, and, and talking with Colin McMichael, he said he's got boundary down. He's still trying to you know, finalize learning uh, field. But he wants to be – all those guys want to be able to play both positions. Does that mean they're just going to flip, or does that mean that whatever side they walk out to, they're, they're going to do that? Not quite sure about that yet, uh, but it just kind of speaks to how Bateman's teaching them that, hey, there are different positions. You have to learn each of them and what's required and whether or not that means we're going to rotate or not is yet to be seen. That's an interesting coaching technique because sometimes coaches want you to specialize and just like be really good at one thing. Whereas I think Bateman's like, he wants you to be very flexible and know a couple roles. Like Tamari Fox, for example, in the defensive line, he's, he can play all three spots in the defensive front. I think they want the defensive backs to be able to play, you know, both the field and boundary safety spot and the field and boundary corner spot. So that flexibility is interesting. It helps with depth. If one player goes out, you can just immediately put your best player in, not necessarily the best at that one spot. Um, yeah, so. and one, one reason that is is you know, defenses were kind of reactive to what offenses were doing. So, you know, whether you're talking about Quinshaw Davis, you're talking about Dwight Jones, you know, those would be your split ends, and those would be typically towards the boundary. So it was them one-on-one with the cornerback. And then on the other side, you'd have you, you know, Ryan Switzer be in your, your slot position, you have a, another big receiver out to his side. But by having that big slot, split end on the boundary, you had to have a pretty big and physical cornerback on that side to defend him. Because if you got the field corner over there, you know, it was a smaller guy, it's like 5'9", you know, good luck defending a, a Dwight Jones-type wide receiver. Because offenses have shifted away from the pro style so much, and now it really is kind of left side, right side, just trying to utilize space and, and trying to, you be fast and not huddle and those kind of things. Defensive ha- have been able to slack off that a little bit, and they've had more flexibility in where they want to put defenders, especially when you're talking about a nickel set. It's a fascinating discussion. It's a lot more complex than folks like to think. It's not you go get that guy. It's, it's not like that anymore. Though if, if they can develop one of these corners to get to that position, maybe Bateman can utilize that, and then it opens up for everybody else. Ross Martin, Greg Barnes, Inside Carolina Podcast, state of the position. Cornerbacks, nickelbacks, safeties, defensive backfield, the secondary, whatever you want to call it. Jay Bateman's got a lot of talent, if not that much experience and proven talent on the field. Appreciate it, boys. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.